0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Big cheers after nearly 10 hours. A BC ferry that smashed into a dock at the Langdale Terminal and became stuck has just been freed thanks to a couple of tugboats. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A long, frustrating day of delays for thousands of B.C. ferry passengers. Service between Horseshoe Bay and Langdale suspended when the Queen of Surrey crashed into part of the dock on the Sunshine Coast this morning. That's where we find our Grace Key tonight. Uh, Grace, we just saw that ferry has now been dislodged, much to the relief of the passengers. But obviously the big question is how did it happen in the first place?
2: Right. Still no answers on that, and that is going to be under investigation. But you can see behind me here, the Queen of Surrey has finally docked. Now, the passengers and cars have yet to get off. Uh, standing behind me is all the crew members who are waiting to get on board, but certainly a very long day for those passengers. So close, and yet so far. What was supposed to be a 40-minute ferry ride from Horseshoe Bay to Langdale dragged on for the rest of the day. 285 passengers stuck on the Queen of Surrey after it collided into a berthing structure.
3: Really loud all of a sudden, like the brakes started going all weird coming from the back of the ferry. And then all of a sudden it was just like, they came over the speaker and it was just like, brace, 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 brace. And then everything just like slammed forward and like everything jolted, And then it was just kind of like, oh, we're done.
2: Drivers waiting in line to get on board describe the impact.
4: It was very really loud, like a big explosion almost, right? And then I watched the car beside us, and it we even felt it even on our pickup. You can see it moving. The
2: collision happened shortly after 8 o'clock in the morning. The ferry ended up getting caught on the edge of a fender panel. Divers were brought in to inspect the damage and spill response stood by just in case. Repairs also had to be made to the front of the ferry before the terminal ramp could be lowered, allowing cars to get off. How the collision happened is under investigation. We will be doing a full investigation into the incident and I don't want to speculate until we have all the facts. The beach was packed with locals and passengers willing to wait it out. Beach day. <laughs>
0: it's not <That's> raining yet. <laughs>
5: That's
2: a long beach day.
5: Better than working.
2: If you didn't have a car, travel was easier. BC Ferries offered free water service for foot passengers.
6: No ferry today, huh? Yeah. new adventure. Water taxi? Yeah. Your plan was going to land oh, today? It was, yeah. It was kind of Langdale, yeah. Flew all the way from Dublin for this. <laughs>
2: And then finally, after hours on board, the Queen of Surrey finally
1: made her way in. Okay, Grace, obviously a long day for a lot of people. Do we know when service is expected to resume?
2: So uh, it's expected to resume back to normal tomorrow. They did some rejuggling. As for tonight, though, it's going to be the Queen of Cowichan and Oak Bay. It's going to be leaving Horseshoe Bay at... 5.30, 7.50, 8.15 and 10.55, leaving Langdale here at 6.40, though we just heard an announcement that that will be 25 minutes late, and then 8.55 and 9.25. So also no reports of any injuries. Apparently, they were also giving out free food to passengers, though I'd say at about 4.30, one of the passengers screamed out that they ran out of hamburgers and ice cream. So luckily, they were able to get it
1: dislodged after that just in time. All right. Thanks very much for that, Grace. Now, an interesting footnote to all of this. The Queen of Surrey happens to be the sister ship to the Queen of Oak Bay, which you'll likely remember had a major docking disaster of its own. In 2005, the Queen of Oak Bay lost power and hit Sewell's marina, causing millions of dollars in damage. It was ultimately determined a missing cotter pin was to blame, a part that costs just pennies. Now to breaking details and mysterious circumstances surrounding another fatal crash on the Lower Mainland that claimed three lives. It happened in Surrey this morning and involved just a single vehicle. Sarah McDonald is in Surrey live for us tonight. Sarah, the Integrated
3: Homicide Investigation Team is now on the case as well. Sophie, that's right, an unexpected and sinister twist to an already tragic scenario playing out here in South Surrey. Homicide investigators have now taken conduct of this case. They tell us it is not believed to be linked to gang violence, but they aren't ruling out any connection between these three deaths and domestic violence. This scene of carnage and chaos now thought to be criminal, what was initially thought to be a triple fatal high-speed single vehicle crash.
6: That looks like speed, looks like they're going four times the speed limit
3: handed over to homicide investigators hours after impact.
7: The, the deaths were suspicious in nature, and so IHID was called in, and we've since taken conduct of the investigation.
3: Inside that crumpled vehicle that somehow careened into the retaining wall of the Highway 99 overpass mid-morning Tuesday, three bodies. Though exactly what led to their deaths is now shrouded in mystery.
4: When you go across the street, you can see the car. It doesn't look like a car anymore.
3: One thing is for certain, though, this crime scene is extensive, and it's not contained to the site of this collision. Though not yet confirming it's this residence, just blocks from the scene of the crash and now behind police tape.
7: The information that we have right now uh, leads us to believe that this is not gang-related, okay? Uh, but we're still we're still doing our work. We're still doing our background checks. Uh, we've tentatively identified our three decedents, and uh, we'll go from there in terms of learning the background, possibly learning a motive behind uh, why exactly this happened today. <laughs>
3: With investigators from multiple detachments remaining on scene well into the evening, motorists in and around Surrey are going nowhere fast. Road closures impacting major arteries slowing commuters to a crawl. It was sort of chaos when I arrived or drove by. As the site of what was initially thought to be a tragic accident, claiming three lives is thoroughly combed over for evidence. All the pieces were two to three feet and smaller, disintegrated. This crash quickly taking a sinister turn. Now, investigators are adamant tonight the public is not at risk, though they won't elaborate on any relationship uh, connecting those three people found deceased inside that vehicle or any suspected manner of death. This is still very much an active crime scene. It is expected to remain that way well into the evening. That means those road closures impacting 32nd Avenue and 152nd Street, along with King George Boulevard and uh, this stretch of Highway 99 southbound, will also remain closed well into tonight. Sophie, commuters are advised to avoid this area altogether if possible
1: all right thanks for that sarah mcdonald in surrey for us we are also following a crash in coquitlam that we now know has killed a 13 year old girl and injured a six-year-old boy the pair part of a group of five youth simply trying to cross the road at mariner way and riverview crescent when two vehicles crashed nearby tanya Bajan now with what we're learning about the accident and the victims Mourners gather at the Coquitlam
8: intersection where a 13-year-old girl was killed.
0: I heard a bang, a big bang. No screeching tires, no nothing. And I heard a poor lady screaming, uh, you know, like uh, in, in panic.
8: Just before three Monday afternoon, police say a Dodge Charger heading south on Mariner and turning onto Riverview collided with a northbound BMW.
5: The impact of the collision caused the BMW to spin onto the traffic island where five children were standing.
8: The children, ranging in age from 6 to 17, were headed to a nearby park when the group was struck. A 6-year-old boy and the 13-year-old girl were rushed to hospital where she died.
4: It's children. I mean, they're crossing the street.
0: It's not right.
8: According to police, the drivers were neither impaired nor distracted. But investigators are looking at speed as a possible factor, something pedestrians say is often a problem.
7: There's no uh, signs telling you to slow down once you get to this residential area, so people coming from the highway think they can still speed.
5: But naturally when you have hills, people tend to, your, your car picks up speed naturally, so you got to be
4: really careful when you come to this intersection. section.
8: But prior to the accident, the city says this intersection wasn't a concern.
4: The average collision rate at this intersection is actually lower than other controlled intersections in the city.
8: Both drivers are cooperating with police. The young victim's identity has not been released. Tanya Beja, Global News.
1: An all-party government committee on ride-hailing delivered its final recommendations today on what's needed to get the service rolling on B.C. roads. Richard Zussman breaks down the recommendations, including an important sticking point that has the province tapping the brakes and companies talking about avoiding B.C. altogether.
0: The future of ride-sharing in this province is teetering on one thing, a driver's license. A BC Legislative Committee dropping this report on Tuesday, calling on the province to allow ride-sharing drivers to use Class 5 licenses. A change Transportation Minister Claire Trevena quickly struck down.
8: The committee also heard from the Vancouver Police Department and they were very clear that uh, Class 4 should be required. Right
0: now, all taxi drivers are required to use Class 4 commercial licenses. But the province has no tangible proof the class of license changes how safe a driver is.
9: The reality is that parents send their children in cars with other parents on field trips and they don't worry about the fact that that driver doesn't have a class 4 license.
0: Class 4 licenses require medical checks, additional fees and tests, and may keep a major ride-sharing company, Lyft, out of the province entirely.
2: Class 4 driver's license is incredibly restrictive and uh, would likely make ride-sharing untenable in this province, and it uh, would make it nearly impossible for Lyft to operate here.
0: Uber, the world's largest ride-sharing company, operates in Alberta right now, where there is a requirement for a class four license, but the company says there are challenges associated with that.
6: We know that it excludes drivers who are deaf and hard of hearing. We know that it, uh, in Alberta, it excludes women in a large degree with only one to five percent of ridesharing and taxi drivers being female as opposed to 20 to 30 percent in other jurisdictions. The report
0: has other recommendations, including setting a minimum price for trips that can't be less than public transit, not capping the size of a ride sharing fleet and no regional
6: boundaries for pickup or drop off. What we're recommending here is that we don't use boundaries. And I think that it is a natural extension to start to take a look at what this means for the taxi industry.
0: As for when ride-sharing is coming, the opposition thinks these restrictions will keep companies out until 2020, if they come at all. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: All right, Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria for more on this. Keith, BC is so far behind the rest Mm. of Canada now. How extensive is ride-sharing across the country?
10: Yeah, I was surprised when I looked into this today, Sophie. It's uh, fairly rampant across the country, at least in uh, certainly the western provinces in Ontario. Uh, Fourteen cities have some sort of ride-sharing, all of them Uber Uber, uh, services. Tavistam put together this neat uh, graphic for us, this map. Look at those four cities in Alberta, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Kitchener-Waterloo, London, Kingston, Ottawa, Montreal, and Quebec City. Uh, And it's growing in number, uh, Sophie. But again, B.C. eluding uh, ride-sharing, at least uh, for some time yet. So what do today's
1: developments mean, Keith, for ride sharing and its chances in this province?
10: Yeah, I'm still kind of skeptical following this for so long. The NDP, uh, basically, we're talking when it comes to ride sharing, uh, it's the ultimate free market industry. And the NDP historically has a problem with that. It likes to see regulations. One of those regulations, as Richard Zussman pointed out, is a Class 4 license. Uh, John Horgan today, I put the question to him, can the NDP actually live with an industry that is basically not regulated? He picked up on that and basically equating the Class 4, I think, how I read it, to passenger safety, which he thinks is popular with British Columbians. And again, he makes the promise that ride share is coming. Here's the Premier. We want to make sure that the traveling public is safe. We want to make sure whatever product emerges from the ride hailing legislation and the new product, uh, insurance product being developed by ICBC, is there to protect the traveling public. I think most British Columbians agree with that position. Ride hailing is coming this year. Uh, The former government had half a decade to bring it forward and did not. Uh, We've had uh, 18 months and we're almost there. So, the Premier says "Right, hailing is coming, but it's not coming unless Uber and Lyft want to come here. As you heard from the Lyft representative, a Class 4 is a deal maker for Lyft. Whether it is for Uber remains to be seen. But uh, still a lot of skepticism attached to this file.
1: Uh huh. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Okay. Well there were clear warning signs as far back as 2010 about money laundering risks related to high rollers from China who came to BC to play baccarat. The regulators specifically warned BC Lottery Corporation about these players and the risk of organized crime, but BCLC went over the regulators' head and got approval from BC's finance ministry to raise betting limits. Global Sam Cooper has been digging into this story once again. Sam, what have you uncovered?
7: Well, critics have been asking whether willful blindness allowed money laundering to occur in BC casinos, and we've found that that blindness went to the highest levels of BC's government. In late 2013, BC Lottery Corporation wanted to raise betting limits for Baccarat to $100,000 per hand. That was almost doubling those betting limits because they wanted to raise revenue. But the Gaming Policy Enforcement Branch, the regulator, said this would cause money laundering. So uh, BCLC had to go to the finance ministry to get uh, an intermediary to get another ruling. And in this case, the minister at that time, Michael Dion, his ministry did approve these changes despite clear warnings about money laundering.
4: I don't recall the specific transaction. What I can tell you is uh, what uh, occasionally occurred, and and it was always the same. Uh, If there was a request uh, or a suggestion to change any of the uh, rules uh, involving conduct within Uh, casinos, the BC Lottery Corporation, the gaming enforcement branch would uh, bring a series of of recommendations and options, uh, and it was always one of those options that were adopted. The BC uh, gaming policy enforcement branch would bring uh, options to the minister and uh, recommendations, and the recommendations were followed.
1: All right, Sam, we know the limits were raised in 2014, so what happened?
7: Well, as expected, BCLC revenue did spike because more Chinese VIPs were coming to BC. But at the same time, exactly as the regulator feared, this triggered records amount of money laundering. Our data showed that 2014 and 15 was a record year for money laundering. And eventually the RCMP launched an organized crime investigation. We now know what they found. Massive amounts of money laundering coming from China through B.C. casinos, drug cash being laundered into real estate, fentanyl and cocaine coming into Canada through this scheme. And B.C.'s government was warned clearly about these risks connected to Chinese VIPs all the way back to 2010.
1: Incredible. All right. And here we are today with this. All right. Thanks very much for that, Sam. Right now, though, from C-plane to E-plane, Harbour Air is embarking on what's believed to be a world first, adding a zero-emission aircraft to its fleet. Aaron MacArthur has more on the green goal and the challenges they're up against.
4: What if the constant whine and rumble of float planes suddenly just stopped? Harbor Air looking at replacing its entire fleet of de Havilland beavers and otters with electric engines.
5: We operate in urban environments with close neighbors, and it'll reduce the noise fit footprint dramatically and it'll eliminate any, any you know carbon uh, uh, footprint.
4: Harbor Air is partnering with a Redmond Washington company called MagniX, which has a goal to provide electrical power for the aviation industry. It has a 750-watt engine that has thousands of hours of testing. Harbor Air has stepped in to offer a plane to prototype. 12% of North America's CO2 is due to aircraft. So if we can solve even a small portion of that by partnering with someone like Harbor Air, then that is a match made in heaven. The plan right now is to begin testing as early as November. Aviation experts say the biggest issue will be battery technology. It doesn't quite exist yet to power anything but the smallest of aircraft.
0: Even in our most optimistic projections, it's going to have to require an awful lot of battery to fly on board a plane, right? unrealistic at, at any point in the future.
4: But for niche market players like Harbor Air, where their average flight is 15 to 25 minutes going from Vancouver to Victoria uh, to Nanaimo, etc., those are perfect ranges for an all-electric uh, aircraft, and that can be done with today's batteries. None of this happens without the proper safety checks. The FAA and Transport Canada will have to certify the engine and the plane before any paying passengers step foot on a pontoon. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: The world's largest gnome has found a new home. Howard has been a fixture in Nanus Bay for the past two decades. The eight-meter-tall statue has been standing at the Chevron gas station along the Island Highway since 1998. But earlier this year, the family of the man who made the gnome was told it needed to be removed from the property. Well, the family has now chosen Galey Farms in Saanich as Howard's new home. It will be moved down-island as soon as possible. It's being called a slow-motion environmental crisis. China's decision last year to stop accepting most foreign waste for recycling has a number of North American cities scaling back or even cancelling their recycling programs altogether. But as Linda Ellsworth reports, we in B.C. are in the enviable position of doing a lot of our recycling right here at home.
9: Ever wonder where the majority of the plastic and paper you put in your blue boxes goes? The answer was China. 3,700 container ships of recyclable material arrived and were recycled every day until January last year. They decided they didn't want to manage the world's waste anymore. So they basically came out and said, you know what, we're going to stop accepting this material. And that has caused a global problem. Because while other countries have tried to take on the extra material... They just can't handle the volume. Unfortunately, some places I've heard have, you know, started burning their recyclables or landfilling them just because they're not able to find somebody else to take that material. But not in British Columbia. We do things differently here.
0: In a lot of places, and how it was previously here in British Columbia, you would have individual municipalities that would be responsible for recycling, for collecting the materials, and also for marketing those materials, so finding a buyer for them.
9: But in 2014, Recycle BC came on the scene and took over all the responsibility for the majority of municipalities, and they got the producers of plastic containers and paper products to fund it all.
0: And then we also take all of these materials, and we're able to find an end market for them, a buyer for them. A buyer not
9: overseas, but in Metro Vancouver. Merlin Plastics. They sort the plastic and convert it into this. It's made into these pellets. As for paper and other recyclables, much of which must still be shipped abroad, the biggest problem globally is contamination when non-recyclable materials or organic matter is mixed in. No country wants to take that in, but British Columbians seem to be more vigilant
0: about recycling do's and don'ts. Because we have really good quality materials, the laws of supply and demand are not affecting us as seriously as they are other jurisdictions. Of
9: course, it's important not to overlook the real solution. Recycling is good, but reduce and reuse is even better. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: A bridge on New Zealand's west coast loses its battle with a heavy storm. A state of emergency has been declared in the town, with forecasters calling for nearly 700 millimeters of rain. Well, the city of Chicago is still reeling from today's stunning decision by prosecutors to drop all charges against actor Jesse Smollett, who was accused of staging an attack on himself. Tonight, the city's mayor and police superintendent aren't holding back in their outrage.
5: I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. Today, Jesse Smollett breaking his silence minutes after Cook County prosecutors dropped all criminal charges in exchange for two days of community service and $10,000 in court costs. This has been an incredibly difficult time. Honestly, one of the worst of my entire life. In a stunning move, the Empire actor, who was arrested for orchestrating a fake hate crime, will now have his criminal case wiped clean. But the lead prosecutor says dropping the charges does not mean he did nothing wrong.
0: He is not a victim of a hate crime.
5: In a statement, the prosecutor added, we stand behind the Chicago Police Department's investigation and our decision to approve charges in this case. We did not exonerate Mr. Smollett. But Chicago's top cop who's outraged, says he was blindsided by the news. If you want to say you're innocent of a situation, then you take your day in court. I would never, if someone falsely accused me, I would never hide behind a brokered deal and secrecy, period. The I mayor also blasting the prosecutor's of the office for fumbling what he saw as a trial headed for conviction. This is without a doubt a whitewash of justice and sends a clear message that if you're in a position of influence and power, you'll get treated one way, other people will be treated another way. It was just three weeks ago, Smollett was indicted by a grand jury on 16 felony counts for lying to police. The grand jury, a sliver of the evidence and they came to a conclusion. With the case now sealed by the court, the public may never see the evidence gathered by police.
11: We have nothing to say to the police department except to investigate charges uh, and not try their cases in the press.
5: Now I'd like nothing more than to just get back to work and move on with my life. Is there no decency in this man? This is a person now who's been let off scot-free with no sense of accountability of the moral and ethical wrong of his
8: actions.
1: Yale has become the first university to rescind admission to a student over the bribery scandal. Now, it won't say who the student is or how they were admitted, but the former coach of the school's women's soccer program has been charged with taking $400,000 to facilitate the admission of a student under the guise of being a soccer recruit, even though that student did not play the sport. More troubling news tonight about that grounded Boeing jetliner. A Southwest Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 8 that was part of the fleet grounded after those two deadly crashes was forced to make an emergency landing today as it was being flown to temporary storage. One of the engines apparently overheated. No passengers were on board that flight, which was being ferried from Florida to California. The pilots reported a performance issue with one of the engines shortly after takeoff. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau is here in B.C. to sell his budget, which was introduced last week. I had the chance to sit down and talk to him about a wide range of issues today, including the lingering scandal over whether the government interfered with former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould in the SNC-Lavalin case. Specifically in dealing with the former Attorney General's office, did your office interfere?
3: No. I mean, what I've been pretty clear in saying is that I didn't really have any interactions with Jody Wilson-Raybould on this issue. She approached me at one stage to say our offices were talking. In my view, that's appropriate for them to be talking. Uh, of course, uh, we've had a, a broader discussion about this, and Prime Minister's been pretty clear in terms of our discussions, and in terms of the fact that we've followed the rule of law all the way through.
1: Now, the finance minister also talked about the budget, the upcoming federal election, and the housing affordability crisis. You can see the full interview on our website, globalnews.ca/slash BC. NASA is taking some criticism tonight after tomorrow's historic all-female spacewalk was cancelled. Astronauts Anne McLean and Christina Koch were supposed to float out of the International Space Station to replace some batteries. But McLean pulled herself from the lineup because there aren't enough spacesuits to fit both women. NASA says McLean trained in both medium and large spacesuits and was supposed to wear a large. But after last week's spacewalk in a medium, she realized the large would be too big for her to effectively and safely do the job. In Health Matters tonight, a new poll shows the vast majority of B.C. residents are concerned about the measles outbreak, but there is still a sizable anti-vaccination population as well. The Insights West poll found almost 80 percent of British Columbians are worried about measles. But while 77 percent of B.C. residents are fully behind vaccines and have immunized themselves and their families, 23 percent still feel doubtful about vaccinations. And despite the overwhelming scientific evidence that vaccines are safe. 9% of BC residents could be considered anti-vaxxers, either choosing not to vaccinate themselves or their children, or being selective about whether they vaccinate or not. An American artist making a big impression in Hong Kong with his inflatable installation in the city's Victoria Harbour. The 37-metre character called Companion, a signature of the artist known as Cause, floating face up on the water.
12: It just seemed like there's a lot going on at the moment in the world and I just thought it would be nice to make a piece that sort of expressed relaxation and like taking the moment to just lay on your back and look at the sky.
1: And just before we get to the weather forecast, the Pope has sparked a new controversy within the Catholic Church. Right after the forecast, what Francis did that's kicked off another battle between conservative and progressive Catholics. Alright, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at our weather forecast and mm-hmm. It was just a little blip. Whoa, those clouds are moving fast, Christy.
12: (laughs) Yeah, great time-lapse of the clouds from today, thanks to Pat Bell, one of our camera guys. He shot this. Um, The day started off quite wet. In the afternoon, we saw sunshine, but the clouds were certainly bubbly, and we saw a thunderstorm earlier today. That was just near Nanaimo, a rather small one, but there it is there, and uh, you can see the lightning strikes on the radar imagery. Now, everything has settled down. Slight chance of showers still possible tonight, but generally, this is a scene out there right now, and we've got sunshine. To look forward to tomorrow. It will be a bit back and forth over the next couple of days. So sunshine and warm tomorrow, a bit of a dip Thursday with the system moving in, and then warm as we head towards our Friday and Saturday. But it is spring after all. We tend to go back and forth this time of year. Uh, This is a good time to also remind you that although temperatures are warming during the day, at night temperatures are still below seven. And when the temperature is below seven degrees, it is recommended that you still have your snow tires on, especially if you're traveling the mountain passes. So up to towards Whistler or certainly anywhere east of Hope, we recommend that you have either winter tires or all-weather tires, and this is a requirement right through until April 30th now. Now, the snowfall is still possible over higher terrain in the Caribou Central Interior region. Generally, though, it's mild enough that we're talking about showers, and tomorrow the sunshine will be right across the province, except for this weak system pushing in Thursday morning, bringing in that chance of showers. But in the meantime, there's your tomorrow, everyone. Enjoy the Warmth, the sunshine for uh, our Wednesday, our middle of the weekday. And then we will see a little bit more cloud on Friday or sorry, on Thursday with that chance of showers. But we're back to sunshine on Friday. And I'll leave you with a really nice shot from Richmond. This
1: is last night's sunset. We call it the selfie sunset. Definitely. We'll find that somewhere on social media, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Pope Francis has set off another battle between conservative and progressive Roman Catholics. During a visit to a shrine in Italy, the Pope repeatedly withdrew his hand, or at least tried to, uh, when people tried to kiss his ring. He preferred just a handshake. Now the video has gone viral with conservative Catholics accusing Francis of turning his back on tradition. Yeah, he doesn't like it. And progressive Catholics saying kissing the Pope's ring is ridiculous. An import from the monarchies. Vatican aides say neither Pope Benedict nor Pope John Paul liked their rings being kissed by a long line of people either.
6: <laughs> Why not put a little sign up there?
1: Yeah, Please don't kiss the ring.
6: Yeah, please don't kiss the ring. Like
1: don't poke the animals, don't
6: yeah. tap. <laughs> he keep pulling his hand away from people.
1: Yeah, Good. that's funny. Okay. If you went up to him and and tried to kiss his ring and he pulled it away, I'd feel like, oh, no, I'm going to hell. (laughs) He doesn't like me. You're going down to hell.
6: Well, you could high-five him.
1: April 7th, Green Shirt Day. All right, Squire with sports.
6: Yes, in the last few years, we have seen the Canucks bring in some college prospects. Sometimes in the final weeks of the regular season, for a look, Brock Besser was one of those, and he was probably their most memorable guy they brought in late in the season. Tonight is Josh Tevez's turn. The defenseman they signed from Princeton University. He will make his NHL debut against Anaheim. His parents flying in from Calgary to be here for the game. For him, it's a dream come true. I don't know if it's really set in yet. Um, obviously, I've been dreaming about this day for a long time, but uh, I'm trying not to worry too much and um, just kind of take it all in. So, um, you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself, but at the same time, uh, it's a really exciting day for me and my family. So, just trying to make the most of it. Unlike Tevez, Troy Stetcher made his debut for the Canucks in an exhibition game in 2016. It was a game that certainly got him noticed and helped him make the team. So, he knows what it's about when you make your NHL debut. Uh, I remember when I played, I kind of ran on adrenaline and didn't remember too much, kind of just caught up in the moment. And,
0: and I don't know, just go out there, have fun, and be proud of myself it's, it's the elite of the elite, and it's most of these kids' dreams since they, were, since they could walk. So it's if you're lucky enough to get a chance and you're lucky enough to play in the league, take full advantage of it.
6: All right, Quinn Hughes, the smaller of the two you see there, uh, could play his first game Thursday against the Kings. That's not official. It's just an educated guess. He's practicing after suffering that painful bone bruise at the end of his college career. The Canucks are anxious to see him in games before the end of the year. Unlike Tevez, who is a long shot to be a Canuck at the start of next season, Hughes will be on the roster this coming October unless something unforeseen happens. And while we're on the subject of young Canucks, I don't think there is any doubt Elias Pettersson will be the NHL's Rookie of the Year. His debut season was better, I think, than anybody in the Canucks organization hoped for. But here's an interesting question that was posed to Travis Green today. How much better can Pettersson get as the years go by?
0: Um, I think this is a young man that's got a chance to be special in the league. Uh, And not just because of his skill. He's uh, he's wired the right way. He's driven, uh, wants to win. Wants to be one of the best players. He's going to have to improve still in certain areas and get stronger and keep growing as a, into a man. But I've, you know, I've been around a lot of good players, and, and he's wired the right way for sure. So he's got a lot of, a lot of potential, and it's exciting to see where his where his ceiling ends up.
6: Tampa Bay Lightning have won 59 this year. The record for most wins in the season, 62, set by the Red Wings. I think of 95, 96, who did not win the Stanley Cup that year. Colorado did. Anyway, all this success has earned the Tampa Bay head coach, and Prince George born and raised John Cooper, a new contract extension today. They're not saying how long it is, but probably a couple of years at least. Okay, Montreal fighting for a playoff spot. I mean that literally and figuratively, although this fight did not go well for Montreal's Paul Byron. Gets KO'd by Mackenzie Wieger in the first period. Montreal, though, does win on the scoreboard. Thomas Tatar, one-timer, one nothing Montreal. Former Vancouver giant Brett Kulak will get a goal here as well. He's having a good season in Montreal. Similar play as the first goal by Tatar. In the slot, wire it, 2-0. It's 3-0 and now Andrew Shaw is going to set up Arturi Lekanen to make it 4-0. As long as the Habs keep winning, their playoff chances get better and better and better. It's 5-1 in the third. The Vancouver Whitecaps have brought in Iraqi international left back Ali Adnan on a loan from Atalanta of Italy's Serie A. So this is a guy from a big-time European league. Although he might not be here for long, he's with the Whitecaps on loan, and the loan runs out at the end of June. Now, there is a possibility he could stay longer if the Whitecaps like him and if they can make a deal for him. Certainly his first impressions of Vancouver are very good.
12: Yeah, it's the best time magazine city really. I like the city so much. It's just two days or three days and just I move a little bit in the city, so I'm so happy to be here in this in this city in this team. Uh, I want to help the team and the team helped me in this moment as I know we are in a little bit in difficult moment so I'm happy here.
7: We're
6: happy you're here too, yes. This Felix OJ Aliasim at the Miami Open, Nikolash Basilashvili was his opponent. Roger Ali Aliassime wins the first set, 7-6. That's the way to do it. Sweet, all right, to kid's all 18. With this win today, he goes to the quarterfinals, which means he will be, no matter what happens next, in the top 50, probably 41st in world rankings, which will make him the first player to make the top 50 who's been born in the 2000s. <laughs> That's great. Double A. Yes, Felix There's a lot of great young Canadian tennis players right now. I know, it's good.
1: Excellent. It's good. There you go.
12: Here's your snow report for tonight. Lots of new snow across southern BC mountains. Eight centimetres in Blackcomb-Whistler, Grouse, 11, Cypress, 6, Sasquatch, 3. Revelstoke picked up a nice 20 centimetres of fresh powder. Manning Park, 2, and Whitewater, 3. Big White has 11 centimetres of fresh snow. Silver Star, 6, Sun Peaks, 1. Kicking Horse also won. Nothing new for Mount Washington or Powder King, though. Coming up on ET Canada, more on the Jesse Smollett Sega and why Global's newest sitcom is groundbreaking, plus why Michael Keaton says Dumbo is the most beautiful film he's ever made. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour, but for
1: now, it's back to Sophie. Alright, thanks very much, Cheryl. Okay, Sonia Sanger from The Morning Show, very talented anchor. Yes, Not the only talented Sanger in her family. Oh. It is more than 100 years old, not her sibling but the vancouver police pipe band is marking a unique first constable suki sunger is changing the face and sound of the iconic group as its first Sikh member nadia stewart has the story
11: it's not his first time wielding these drumsticks the vancouver police constable suki Sanger says every time he does he feels just a little nervous
12: I think to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I creating this? This is self-generated
11: stress. That nervous feeling quickly gives away to a sense of pride. Sanger has always loved drumming, but when he was invited to play with the Vancouver Police Pipe Band after Remembrance Day in 2016...
3: They only had to ask once.
11: ...the opportunity to join one of the world's oldest police pipe bands when he couldn't turn down. 2014 the band celebrated its 100 year anniversary, a major milestone. Now another big moment in the band's history. Sanger is their first Sikh Canadian member.
6: Um, you know there's kind of a stereotypical misconception that pipe band players are all of Scottish background, and that actually isn't the case.
12: I think it was um, at one of our parades at the Vasaki Parade, people of my background I could just they were very proud I could tell um, very happy to see one of their
1: own.
11: Now, Sangar is preparing to mark another milestone with the band, travelling to India for the first time, honouring the victims of the Amritsar massacre on the solemn 100-year anniversary.
12: Paying respect to those people that um, you know, didn't know what was going to happen that day, but um, we're just practicing the rites just like we do here in Canada.
11: And, like we do here in Canada, Sunger will help his band celebrate cultural diversity, bringing the sound of the doll to the pipe band. Another first. Not against our global news.
1: That's very mm. cool. Mm-hmm. Sonia's brother, by the way, didn't clarify that. Right. So. Very cool. That is cool. (laughs) All right,
12: final word on the weather forecast? Sure, should be a glorious day tomorrow. You'll need your sunglasses. We'll see a little bit more cloud on Thursday with a slight chance of showers, bit of a blip, but then we're back to sunshine Friday and Saturday, so lots to look forward to.
1: You're doing very well with the timing of that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, it's all me, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all the time we have for the News Hour tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good evening, everyone.